your face shine on us, O Lord. You are our hiding place and shield. Your word will be our comfort wherever we might be. Turn our hearts to your ways and not to selfish gain. You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an evangelical Lutheran church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado. And you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Give us strength, life, and understanding. Promise in your word. Grace, peace, and mercy is yours from the triune God. Amen. Uh, you know what classes I really hated in seminary? Pastoral care. Oh my gosh, way too touchy-feely for me. Role-playing and talking about feelings and lots of mushy language. It was awful. (laughs) Bible classes, theology courses, preaching seminars, I was totally fine with. But pastoral care? No thank you. I was sure that the problem was that I just didn't have a warm pastoral, slightly codependent, come to me, I'll agree with you that all your problems are other people's fault kind of personality, so I was sure I'd be horrible at pastoral care. I even considered not becoming a pastor at all because I was way too cynical. But then I realized there are people out there who want a cynical pastor. (laughs) I was sure that what I had to offer was simply not enough. It's obvious to me now that my dislike of pastoral care classes had everything to do with me wanting to avoid my own vulnerability and nothing to do with the classes themselves being awful. For a long time in my life, my MO was to protect myself from being hurt by appearing to be as tough and strong as possible and never giving anyone an opportunity to see my weaknesses. But rather than look at the truth of that, I chose instead to be snarky about pastoral care classes. But in reality, I feared that once I was in a parish, I, like the disciples in our gospel text for today, would be tired from following Jesus and that then there would be like 5,000 emotionally needy people and that I'd have nothing to offer nothing but a few stale loaves and a couple of my own emotionally damaged fish, and that that would never be enough. Which is why I was thinking about my dislike of pastoral care classes this week as I read the Feeding of the 5,000 text that we just heard. It's a text worth paying attention to, by the way. The gospel writers made sure of that being that the feeding of the 5,000 is told no less than six times, and for those keeping track at home, there are only four Gospels. (laughs) So in two of them, we hear it twice. And what it means to be a people of the book, to be a people who are formed and shaped by our own sacred text, is that we never stop asking questions about these stories. We never exhaust them as the endless reservoirs of meaning that they are. We never stop listening for what God may be saying to us. I mostly say that because I'm going to contradict a sermon from three years ago in a minute. So, (laughs) 
Well, I would never want to discount a reading of this text that focused on the miracle, the fact that Jesus can make something out of almost nothing, that he can cure the sick, and he can feed the hungry, and he can actually raise the dead. This week, I saw something new for myself that I wanted to point out. What I saw was the inadequacy of the disciples. And to be honest, I totally related to that. I started to wonder what was going on with them, that they would see the scene as they did, that they would have that particular perspective. I wondered why they wanted the crowds to go away and fend for themselves, and why when Jesus asked what they had, they said nothing, nothing but five loaves and a couple fish. And here are a few possibilities I came up with for what might be going on with the disciples. Option A, guilt. Maybe they felt guilty that they had nothing to offer and a little powerless about that. Or maybe the guy who was carrying the food ate more than his share on the road, like it was Lambus bread and they were making their way to Mordor. (laughs) And he was trying to cover for it, so like picking fish bones out of his teeth, he was like, these people are going to need some dinner. (laughs) Option B, greed. They wanted to keep their food and maybe their church and their Jesus all to themselves. Option C, total lack of imagination. The old sin of thinking that all there is is all there is. Option D, all of the above. I'm going to go with D, all of the above. I just know for myself, and I've seen the same thing in many of you, that we look at the smallness of our offering. We look at the insignificance of our abilities, the inadequacy of our treasure, right up against the greatness of the need and we think it's a reason to feel shame, or we act as though smallness, inadequacy, and insignificance are things that would never be worthy to bring before the throne of God. And yet, every parable about God's kingdom, every teaching Jesus had about how God creates something glorious starts with something small. Never once did Jesus say, the kingdom of heaven is like a Fortune 500 company with super happy shareholders. It was always something small, insignificant, and easily overlooked. These are the things that reveal the glory of God. I mean, after all, in Corinthians, Paul said that God's strength is perfected in our weakness. Yet so often we act like weakness is something to be ashamed of, to try and make up for, to try and pretend isn't there, choosing instead to be snarky about pastoral care classes or whatever your personal equivalent of that is. We so often feel shame about our lack, when in fact our lack is what God wants from us. It's always our poverty. Because when all we have is strength and virtue and self-sufficiency, we basically become functional atheists. I mean, maybe believing God exists, but not actually acting as though it really matters, because, you know, we got this. But I'm not sure God is impressed with our skills and strengths and abilities, since in them we tend to lean toward pride and self-sufficiency and functional atheism. Whether or not Jesus molecularly multiplied the bread and fish like an amazing magic trick, or if the crowd simply managed to open up their stingy picnic baskets and share their fried chicken and potato salad with their neighbors, the point of this story for me this week was what the disciples must have learned, namely that there was more available to them than what they themselves were bringing to the table, so to speak. Because what the disciples failed to notice when they said they had nothing so Jesus should send the crowds away 
was that there was more available than what they themselves had to offer. Perhaps Jesus' injunction against sending the crowds away wasn't because he was about to magically multiply a couple loaves into thousands, although, again, totally a valid reading of the text. Maybe he didn't want the disciples to send the people away because Jesus knew that those people had what the disciples lacked. Maybe the disciples, like us, need to be reminded that even when we do not have what is needed, what is needed is still at hand. It's just going to come from God and or others. In God's economy, that's how it works. What you have is enough because it is never all that there is. Not only do we not need to have everything ourselves, but we actually get to witness the glory of God every time we come up short and yet things still happen. That's certainly the story at House for All Sinners and Saints. Fast forward seven or eight years from the time when I was being snarky about pastoral care classes, and while I'd love to say that God took my measly loaves and fishes and multiplied them into a pastoral caregiving feast for the masses, that's not exactly true. But there is still enough because what I have is not all that there is. This is mainly because of two things. God's provision, making something out of nothing, and the fact that other people have so much to offer. This, for me, was the takeaway this week about the feeding of the 5,000. My experience over the last seven years is that a lot of pastoral care has taken place despite my shortcomings. For some, I'm a perfectly adequate pastoral caregiver. They want the snarky pastor. But often, if I manage to say something helpful, it's not out of my abundance of wisdom or my little pastoral toolkit. It's almost always out of my poverty. I find myself saying something that the other person really needs to hear, and then I'm like, where the heck did that come from? It's God's provision. It's like where I was sure there was nothing. Woo, there's like a loaf of bread. Of course, anyone who's active in this community knows that the other factor is that you are brilliant pastoral caregivers for each other, a true priesthood of all believers. You open your picnic baskets and share freely, receiving from each other what you need to be whole. And thanks be to God for that. So in closing, let us pray. Actually, before we pray, I'm going to add something. Um, Andrea posted something today about um, her relative and somebody she loves very much who had experienced rape in the last couple days and the man's not arrested and she had so much rage and anger about that and I was so happy to see her at the first service and um, during open space I, I thought I should go over and sit by her and comfort her and like um, I look over and Melissa Dose, who is a sexual assault counselor in our congregation, was there already and had handed her River, this three-month-old baby. And Andrea is holding this child and crying and Melissa is caring for her. And it made me cry in the middle of open space because it was a perfect case in point. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you in our poverty with what feels like so little. The war and violence in Israel and Gaza is horrifying us, and we have only prayers with others who call upon your name. 
Andrea's relative and loved one experienced sexual assault this week and all she has is rage and fierce, fierce love. There are so many homeless everywhere we look and all we have is a smile and a dollar. And none of this feels like enough, none of it. So tonight we beg of you to take what little we do have and please add to it your provision and the offerings, skills, and love of others and make it enough. Please make it enough. In the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the protector of the weak, and the feeder of the hungry. Amen. If these sermons are meaningful for you, we invite you to support the congregation, and you can do that at houseforall.org. There's a PayPal button there. Also, we'd love for you to come and join us for liturgy. We meet at 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock on Sundays at 2201 Dexter in Denver. Lord, have mercy In peace, let us pray to the Lord Lord, have mercy Christ, have mercy Lord, have mercy For peace from above and for our salvation Lord, have mercy Christ, have mercy Lord, have mercy for peace in the whole world and the unity of all nations. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. For all of your children who pray to their Maker. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy For easing of the burdens of anger, fear, and hatred Lord, have mercy Christ, have mercy Lord, have mercy For the children hungry or neglected in every nation Lord, have mercy Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. For those who have no bread and those who find no joy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. For those who came before us and now are in your glory, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen.